Welcome to the British Broadcast, the Big Black, the Boozy Book Club, with Sam and Ethan. If only I was able to get last week, it could have been five, but nope. All right, so, Happy New Year, my friend. I know we just saw each other, but I figured we should state our happiness over over the good old Craig. Well, also to uh, uh, our listener... I can hear you. Yes, our listener. Our listener, actual, actual Craig. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> and your, your, your dad, too. Your dad, too, for sure. Um, the actual well, Sean, not the, uh, not the one you thought was. Yeah, okay, you can understand my confusion. <laughs> no, I mean, I can't, but I, I know them. I'm related to them, so. That's true, yes. Um, but whatever, that's not the point. Uh, the point is, is that it's a happy new year, and I, I, Samuel, finished the 52-book challenge. I, I sure did. We I, will insert the applause here. Woo! Clap, clap, clap. Yeah. Um, we should edit in applause, or else it wouldn't be good. Um, this would be, I would throw the episode out. Um, but yeah, amazing stuff. I never thought I would do anything like that in my whole fucking life. Um, it was quite a journey. I've read some amazing, some amazing, amazing stories that have just thrown me for such a loop and some that have been bored me to tears. Um, you know, some really crappy, crappy writing. Um, but I've certainly discovered some of my favorite books that I, I think at some point in my life I'll probably read again. Um, and it was just a great time. I'm really, really happy that you challenged me to do this on on the last New Year's Eve of uh, the last day of 2020, when, before we all said, fuck 2020. You know, I never thought that I would be able to do it. I was very skeptical standing around the fire then. I for sure thought you would do it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, but uh, the, yeah. the beauty of I it thank is... Thank you so is, much for challenging me. This well, you're very welcome. The beauty of it was that uh, you were, for anybody that doesn't know, you were not a big reader at all. Uh, before before I challenge you to do this, so. I'm... Well, no, no, no. That's that's. I, I would say I was reading pretty persistently the year before that, in like 2020, and a little and a little bit in 2019. But I was never, never expecting myself to read a book a week on average. Go on, sorry. No, no. I mean that's that's pretty much it. I mean my goal was to. I know that you were mostly you weren't much of a fiction reader until mm -hmm. very recently. You were more of a nonfiction, which is why you keep giving me Brian Green books. As gifts. I know, but at this point, it's a joke. So. Yeah, I know. Well, the two years in a row. Come on. It's... Yeah. But um, I'm just, I'm glad that I got you to read a bunch of fiction, and including Stephen King. Fuck that, yeah, dude. That, that was one. awesome. I read, I, so far, I've read two of his favorite books of mine. The only two I've read. <laughs> they're also the worst ones I've read. Because they're the only two, of course. Um, but yeah, I, uh, it, it's been a, it's been one of the joys of my life for sure. An exceptional experience. Um, I'll never read the Bible or the Quran again. I don't really um, think that those are read more than once in your lifetime. Thanks. Unless you're like super religious maybe. Um, but I have no desire to ever put myself through that again. Um, I will keep the copies that I have so that I can brag about it when people are like, wait a minute, you have that? And I'll be like, yeah, I read the whole fucking thing. Um, that's a weird than... flex. I gotta be honest with you. <laughs> um, yeah, well, I don't know. People might think it's, uh, you know, uh, 
what's the word? Um, neat, exceptional that someone actually read it from cover to cover. Uh, you don't meet many people that have. Um, but yeah, we'll talk unless you about. Go to, uh, unless you go to like a theological school, maybe. Yeah, probably. So you, did you you actually finished the stand though, right? Yes, and you, you know what? Finish. I was a little upset because I thought that there was a lot more added on at the end, and I must have just. I don't know if I misunderstood, but there was literally five more pages at the end. Yeah, I know. Then, no, I knew. I knew that. I knew that you had misunderstood because it's. I think it's what uh, I had said at the beginning that he interspersed it with a lot more stuff. It wasn't just something tacked on at the end. Like, I don't even remember was, that much being added, though. I, I truly don't. I truly. Don't. I think it's got to amount to like. I'm pretty sure the original book was like quite a bit smaller. Like well, the original like eight nine hundred pages. It was. The copy that I have is. Uh, but that's also different. It was printed so long ago that I don't know that the Maybe the margin, text is really small. Yeah, like I don't know if the margins are all the same and the text size is the same. Regardless, um, I mean, the story overall really doesn't change. Were you were you pleased to... Because one of the I things you... Compl- well, I was going to ask specifically, were you pleased that you figured out, you got a more visceral image of the kid and his demise... Because that was something you complained yes. about like two weeks it ago. It was what I complained about. Yes, I am very happy that I got to that he. You know, I thought it was pretty cool. He went out fighting like a motherfucker. Oh yeah, you eventually know? he was gonna. Yo, easily the the creepiest description in this book to me at least was the state of um, uh, trash can man. Oh yeah, that was fucked up. I mean, he's always he was always a little fucked up because he had the burn on his arm. And just the yeah. way that other people saw him was just ooh, disturbing. Indeed. Disturbing. Like the, the, the look in his eyes, the dead look. And it's all yeah. just fucking, you know, cra- crazy shit with him. You know, he what did he do? He, he brought it because we have to talk about the end of that book before we talk about the whole challenge. So right. we uh, we I think we left off at where people were like going out on their journey. Oh, no, I don't remember where we left off. The point is, is that shit hit the fan really fucking hard at the end there. Really so, quickly. Yeah. Fucking what was it? The Not the judge. He didn't go. The judge was shot in the face in like Washington. Judge was but, shot. Dana was th- killed herself and killed herself. Thomas cut slicing her neck on the window. Tom yeah. escapes, just starts walking and biking like a like a, you know, fucking what I don't know, like he's just roughing it, roughing out in the middle of nowhere. And Larry and Glenn and Stu and Ralph go to Vegas, right? So they're just walking because, because, uh, what are you that's drinking? What were, that's what they were told to do. Uh, I'm sticking with, uh, <laughs> I'm sticking with the absinthe. I figure I might as well finish this one. Um, right on. I am celebrating with, well, my mother made a chili, so she had to use some of my beer. Uh, in that chili and so i'm finishing off an okay karen imperial ipa 13 percent alcohol by volume and i'm going to drink a second one that is a full beer uh in celebration of my uh monetary gains for today um beautiful and it's also kind of the last day of my mother technically had off from work today even though she forgot and went in anyway um and so we're counting it as a day off and so i'm gonna get slightly tipsy um, nice. Just give me one second. My beautiful dog wants to leave the room. Bye, Gus. Oh, Kiki. They have no idea how cute you are. Just sitting here. Sitting I do. on the poof. I know how cute she is. 
Kirakushi um, as normally, but not right now. At this exact all right, moment. fair enough. Fair enough. Um, so yeah, they go in, and what happens? The fucking Glenn just starts laughing at the dark man, right? Like, he's like, he knows he's gonna die, and he's just like, putting up a front of, not even a front, I'm sure he thought it was really funny, because he's like, he was expecting way worse out of the guy. And, then, <laughs> and I thought it was pretty funny that he's like, you, man, Lloyd, shoot him, shoot him, instead of like, doing it himself, and being like a big man, and killing Glenn. And then I love the sentence, and then Glenn's face disappeared. <laughs> because it was like probably a fucking 357 magnum or something that he's like blew his blew his fucking head off with either way the whole sequence of them like getting jailed in vegas after wandering all the way out there is just like nuts and then them mocking everybody as they do it like i just i i got such a kick out of that like larry has such a a big mouth on him just like you know giving lip to everybody and and fucking on them the whole time and i loved it when one of the cop cars pulled up at the end and it's like Oh my god, try sitting in the car for six hours with Glenn Bateman. <laughs> like, it's funny as fuck. I loved it. I loved their chemistry as, like, the, the wandering four. They were just, they were fantastic. Um, yeah, I'd, that's why Larry was one of my favorite. I mean, obviously your favorite character couldn't pay lip service to anybody. Uh -huh. um, but, uh, yeah. He could in their dreams. In Tom's dreams. In Tom's dreams, he could. Yes, yes. yes. Um, but we should also mention the fact that Stu gets left behind because he breaks his fucking leg trying to climb between uh, two, like, layers of highway. What happened was it, wasn't it like a river, like, washed away part of the highway, and so it was like a 50-foot ditch between the two? Yeah. Or something like yeah. that? Yeah. Well, a lot of broken legs because Harold also breaks his leg, and that's what takes him Oh, my God. Out. Everybody's breaking his, their fucking legs, man. Yeah, There's but so when, you broken legs. when you think about it, a broken leg in, you know, a post-apocalyptic world where there's no doctors is, is a pretty you know debilitating injury to have like the you know yeah i'd rather break the arm for sure i mean even a, a broken bone in general would be bad because i mean if you break your bone poorly and it doesn't reset it'll grow wrong you can get an infection you know that's pretty yeah. much why harold is like you know what i'm done <laughs> he's like well, his his leg was bloating and turning gangrenous i think Stu just got lucky that it all it all that happened was that it set wrong right right well that's true well, he did get Her pneumonia there. Harold also had a bit of a force against him, I guess. Yeah, that's true. He, yes, I think was, I think he was more disposed was, of. Yes, more disposed of than anything. Stu just, Stu just slipped. If anything, Stu was spared because yes, of that's what correct, happens to the rest of the characters. The I, I, you know what? I, I'm, I'm kind of kicking myself because when. Oh my God, Stephen King is a fucking genius. Like when they were walking away from him. And they said, and they never saw Stu Redman again. It's like, now in hindsight, it's so fucking obvious. He didn't say that Stu Redman died. Right. He said that they never saw him again. They which don't. means he survives. And I know, and I'm just, I'm mad at myself that I didn't even, like, think of that when I read it. Like, I uh, wish you, I had... you're, You aren't supposed to. It's supposed to kind of... I know, I know. That's why it's so good. <laughs> like, it's such good fucking writing. Like, I, like, something is so simple as, and they never saw Stu Redman again. And in your mind, you're thinking... Oh, well, he's just going to die. But then, of course, they all die, and he's fine. It's like genius. It's genius writing. I don't know. I loved it. I just thought it was amazing through and through. But um, I got to say, I don't understand really what happened in Vegas. So they, they first of all, his description of the machine that was supposed to tear Larry and Rolf apart. Ralph apart. I said Rolf. Ed, boy. Oh. Um, Ralph apart, right? Because Glenn gets shot and dies. Gets, uh -huh. His face disappears, uh -huh. quote-unquote. Um, 
and then what happens to uh, oh no Stu gets stuck so there was only three of them that made it to Vegas right so Stu gets stuck in the ditch Glenn gets his face blown off and Larry and Ralph are going to get pulled apart I didn't even really understand the description of the machine like what exactly was it were they being tied up in a cage or something um I don't really remember too well the description of the machine but they were going to be dismembered i'm pretty sure it was essentially i'm pretty sure they were going to like be pulled apart by vehicles driving in opposite directions or something. yeah like that old old medieval thing where they but they would tie them to like horses that were going to run oh quartering yeah quartering what a what an innocuous word (laughs) very funny um not funny actually terribly gruesome but what i really don't understand is like the ending sequence of that of that part like i understand like them mocking and uh, mocking the dark man and just sort of you know heckling their way into the afterlife cuz you know then they know they're going to die but you know the dark man obviously has supernatural powers this guy that walk what was it whitney whitney walks up and like decries the whole situation and he just like holds him in place and burns his head with like a blue flame or whatever um cuz he's obviously like satan or something um yeah he's like a demon but then anything. But then, but then Trash Can Man wheels up because he's gone to like some base where he's like looking for the ultimate bomb to please the Dark Man. And he pulls up this nuclear warhead, obviously dying of radiation sickness. One of his eyes is gone for fuck's sake. His teeth are gone. And the the drawing is horrific. He looks like a zombie. When I accidentally flipped to that picture, I was like, holy shit, are there going to be zombies in this book? (laughs) Like, you know, because my phase of Captain Trips. Yes, the circle reopens. Um, and, uh, yeah, so, I, I like, because he says, I'm bringing you the bomb, my life for you, you know, blah, blah, blah. The, you know, I found the fire, he says, or whatever. I brought you the fire. And, of course, the dark man's like, no, 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 please take that away. How, how does the bomb explode? Because they all say they saw the hand of God. Like, Tom says he saw the hand of God turning around back to look at Las Vegas after he escaped. Like, what was that? Was that, like, a giant thing emanating out of the Dark Man or something? Hand of like, God? No. So, that he, that he, I that mean, he there, there's two ways to look at it. Is like, the, I guess, like, there's, yeah, there's there's two ways to look at it. Is like, number one, the uh, warhead was obviously decaying. Because, like, once radiation is unstable for a certain period of time, eventually it will just explode depending on the circumstances of its manufacturing. But, um... For real, though? I don't... I don't well, I don't know enough about it to say that, but sure. I'm but sure, I'm sure if whatever, was, whatever he did to remove, you know, the, the warhead and bring it to the Dark Man, I'm sure, like, it wasn't how you're supposed to handle I would a nuclear warhead. <laughs> so, so there's, all, there's that, and then there's, like, the, you know, God versus the devil interpretation of it where like literally god just like kind of came down and just like poked that moment because like everything was just (laughs) the perfect you know it was like the dark man brought his own fall and all he had to do was kind of trigger it and i think that that's i think it's kind of both like i don't know that it's like the dark man let trash be trash Trash, yeah. meaning, meaning trash can man be, be trash can man. you know be, be who he, <laughs> he was <is> trash though <laughs> well he, he you know he, he the dark man knew what trash can man was and he I'm didn't going to care and, burn, he said yeah he thought he he thought that he could control that and he couldn't and maybe in a way trash can man 
was always like God's ace in the hole for the story. Yeah, like, for real though. He was the thing that consistently I mean, he blew up the helicopters. He blew up the oil tanks. Like he killed the pilots. He you know, he yeah. was the detriment to the dark man's entire plan and he then was the monkey wrench. Yeah, he he killed everybody. That was in that area. But then there was the one part that I didn't understand until the very end of the book, right? What's that? The part that I didn't understand, Larry says, or or at least it's described that Larry noticed a dark figure appear in front of the dark man and then disappear. And my interpretation of that is that the demon that was possessing that human form left because it knew if it stayed, it was going to die. Well, I mean, what a... Would a nuclear bomb destroy a demon? Those are the questions, but... I don't know. I don't know. Maybe maybe not, but a nuclear... Nuclear, not nuclear. A nuclear bomb might destroy a demon, Ethan. Sit here, know. you nerd. Listen, you're the one that sounds like George Bush saying nuclear, all right? <laughs> well... George Bush was well, president at some point. Wait, which George Bush? There was two. The only the one that was president while we were alive. Wait, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Were you alive while George Bush Senior was was president? No, no, I didn't think so. So, no. <laughs> you know, the the dumb one, the real dumb one, the one that we all remember. You know. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, that one. Um, yeah, he said nuclear a lot. It's nuclear, N U C L E A R, nuclear. Um. <laughs> I'm just being a dick. The point is, I'm pretty sure what that was was the demon that was like possessing the human form of Randall Flagg, who just happens to really love the initials RF, left his body at that very moment. And then what did Larry say? I will fear no evil. I will fear kaboom. Kaboom. Explosion. And what did it say? Everyone was consumed in the holy fire. And that was just such a cool moment. I was like, holy shit, reading that part of the book. Absolutely nuts. What a culmination. I kind of, in my mind, I knew like there had to be like a nuclear bomb aspect to it. I don't know how, you know, it, it just sort of seemed obvious. Like the, it almost seemed like they were, they were doing like an arms race, like God versus the devil thing. And it's like, okay, what's the ultimate weapon that's going to destroy one of these places? Well, it's got to be a nuclear bomb. So I kind of saw the nuclear bomb aspect coming. I just didn't know who was going to get bombed because I would not put it past Stephen King to blow up Boulder. Well, Stu kept Stuart Glenn kept talking about all those toys laying around that someone was just going to pick up. So it kind of did seem like that was going to be one. Oh, of yes, them. that's true. So maybe in my subconscious, I thought I thought of it, but I didn't. <laughs> well, I mean, also just the placement of the story. Um, you know, a lot of air bases are out in that area. I'm sure they have yeah. nuclear weapons hidden out there. Yes, and you would want them hidden out there, not. You know, because those are less populated areas. That's where we used to do nuclear testing. Those sorts of things. So, yes. You know, you couldn't have had the same story on the eastern seaboard. This wouldn't have worked. Um, but, uh, I'm sure there's nuclear bombs in the eastern area of the United States. There's probably there's probably silos everywhere. Um, well, yeah, but I'm saying like just having that. Um, you know the the tr their them traveling well, yeah. through the desert and like you desert, know it it yeah. kind of all had like good, um, like storytelling devices like yes. you know that where they had to go through like large stretches of sparsely inhabited areas. Indeed, yeah, where they were going, it was like a bigger yes. 
bigger sacrifice, I guess, than if and, they were walking you know, through New Jersey. <laughs> so I must say my two favorite parts of the book are both sequences that involve Tom Cullen. The first was the sequence of Nick and Tom Cullen going through Nebraska and dealing with the tornado together and traveling together. That was one of my favorite parts of the book. And then my second favorite part of the book was the coincidence of Tom Cullen coming upon Stu Redman. Um, by the way, Kojak stuck with Stu. The dog left, you know, did not go with uh, the other three as on their trip to Las Vegas, which I'm very happy about. The dog survived. This is no I am legend. This is, you know, the dog lives. Um, and stuck with Stu Redman, bringing him, you know, sticks for a fire and rabbits and gophers for food and things like that. Um, I, there's obviously a supernatural element to Kojak too. There has to be because like no dog knows exactly what it's being told in that way. Like to that kind of fidelity without being trained, like severely, like a lot. So oh, Kojak also had, God... he had some sort of sense of, I mean, he was the one that saw the eye, the like Randall Flanks. Yes, weird that's projection true. of whatever that that nobody else saw the eye. Yeah, yes. yeah. Well, that's a big theme in a lot of Stephen King is like um, a sort of extra sense, and in this story, mm -hmm. he gave it to characters in certain instances when you know Fran senses the danger and Nick senses the bomb and um, Nadine Kojak senses the, the dark eye. man, and then Kojak sees the eye. Like he has like this. You know, um, the dog is not exempt. Yeah, I mean, it's just like the there's like a like a thin layer that sometimes is just thin enough, I guess. Indeed. Well, anyway, I the whole sequence of Tom and Stu trying to get back to uh, Boulder. I just I just loved that because I thought that was a fantastic development of those characters. Because um, you know, I didn't feel like those two had like the time to really get to know each other that well throughout the story because it was obviously Nick and Tom that were the best of friends. And Tom is like, when he's on his own before he finds Stu, he's like dreaming about Nick talking to him, which of course he never did because he was deaf and mute. Um, and so I, I, I just, I almost like listening to the description of Tom's dreams of Nick, I really just want to hear what Nick sounds like. You know what I mean? Like, I, re I really want to know like what his voice would have been. Um, now... I don't know, maybe in the stand like miniseries, they have the dream sequences and you can actually see the actor portraying the part. But, you know, it's, you know, seeing a particular actor do a certain thing is not necessarily the same as what you would imagine. Um, but I, I have like this, I don't know what I, I just imagine a very soft spoken individual and I would really love to hear his voice um, as my, as my favorite character. I really loved reading about him. Um, and so I felt very sad for Tom because he sort of knew he sort of knew the whole time that Nick was dead, you know, because Stu tells him and he he's like, you know, I, I, I knew it the whole time. Um, and he cries about it, of course, because that was his best friend. Um, and so I'm, I'm just very sad that he died. <laughs> I really loved Nick. <laughs> Nick was my favorite character. <laughs> That's not nice. I was mad. I was mad at Stephen for that. You know, it's funny. I've been watching um, in the last couple of days, like a lot of interviews with Stephen King, because when I get into something new that I really, not new, but like new for me that I really enjoy, um, I tend to get like minorly obsessed with it for a little while. And I try to just like watch a bunch of shit about it and read a bunch of shit about it. And so I've been watching a bunch of Stephen King interviews and he uh, he says in one of them where he's talking about his writer's block that he experienced with The Stand, because he said, 
you know, I got a bunch of people to get to Boulder and I've got like 25 different characters that I don't know what to do with. And I remembered, you know, some random guy's quote. It was like, when you've got to the point where you don't know what to do, bring in the man with the gun. And he said, okay, in that case, I'm going to blow up half of them just so I can take care of them and then I don't have to deal with them anymore. (laughs) And I'm like, damn. And you had to pick Nick? Why did you pick Nick? Nick was the best character. (laughs) You know, whatever, you know. Not everybody's gonna survive, um, but yeah, I just thought that was it. It, it got a, I got a kick out of that. I thought it was very funny. Um, he also said, funnily enough, in a different like a speech that he was giving, he was like, you know, the stand has been an amazing thing for me. And he was talking like 2014 or 2012 or something when like a new strain of the flu was just you know like swine flu or bird flu or whatever was like a thing. And he's like, the stand has been an amazing thing for me because every time a new one of these strains of the flu comes out. I get a huge bump in sales in that book. <laughs> yeah. Amazing. Amazing. I wonder if there's a and, big bump in sales for uh, Albert Camus' The Plague when COVID started. I bet there was, but he's not alive to reap those rewards. No, he's not. Uh, but... I, bet, I, bet, I bet Stephen was like, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> when the shit rolled around. All I have to do is hide out and bang our main, and I just, I cruise. I cruise on the money. Um, another thing he, what was funny was he's like, he walks up to, uh, he walks up to the podium to give like a speech or something. Um, and he's like, yeah, forgive me if I'm hoarse. I have a bit of some, and this is obviously before COVID because otherwise he probably wouldn't have given this speech, but he's like, you know, I've got like a, you know, some little bug going on here, but you know, it's not Ebola that gets a laugh. And he's like, and it's not captain trips either. And that gets an even bigger laugh, and it's like, damn, that whole crowd has obviously read The Stand, and they're big fans of his material. I, you know, I just thought, he's got a very good sense of humor about, like, you know, his fans and, and what he likes and what he's written. And, and not what, I mean, what they like, I meant to say. Uh, and, like, you know, the things that they've in, understood from his stories and things like that. So, he's obviously knows his fans very well. Um, so, I'm enjoying hearing him speak. He's got a very strange voice. Yeah, it's very, uh, it's very nasally and like almost rodent-like. <laughs> he is kind of rodent-looking, isn't he? He, he? he did a lot of cocaine. I can't imagine that helped with the nasally sound. He, well, yes, that's true. He was an absolute coke fiend um, and an alcoholic and taking a lot of other drugs. Um, but yeah, I don't know. He obviously wrote the stand on all of that, and it was great, and I loved every every bit of it. I really did. Um, I'm sure there was some slow parts, you know, all things considered, but it was truly excellent. Um, and I, you know, reading that book, I, I, um, I really, I really like felt like I was, I was sad that it was going to end. Like it was, it's, I felt very much that way when I read it. I really can't. Yeah. You you understand. Oh yeah. I mean, well, number one, you know, for you, this was maybe the longest book you've ever, longest single fiction book you've ever read. But Absolutely. I read, I read a lot of long fiction, and there's always a sort of bittersweet feeling when you start coming towards the end. It is. It's true. Because especially with when you have like so many characters who you spend so much time with, um, because that's all it is. Is just like you're kind of spending so much time with these kids and then they become adults and then you spend a bunch of time with them as adults and 
Yeah. Then the story ends, and you're like, damn. It's like a shame. Like, it's honestly a shame. Like, because th- when it comes to books, it's like there's like stages of reading. And it's like the beginning, it's like, oh, I've got like the first few pages in my hand. I'm understanding the characters. I'm getting to learn about the the setting and the set of the story. And it's all, you know, interesting. And then you get to the middle. It's like, ah, this is evenly distributed in my hands. It's very nice to hold. It's a lovely story or it's horrible, but it's still a great story. Um, and it's like... You know, you get to the end and then it's like, oh, this is really annoying because I'm like having to pinch like five pages in my right hand while supporting the entire weight of the story in my left hand. And it's like really annoying. But oh, man, I don't want to finish this book. And with The Stand, it was like, oh, my God, there was just so much detail, so much going on, so much intense exposition and character development and just juicy, effusive detail that I just adored the entire time I was reading it. And I, I'm just so sad it's over. I, like, I need to read it again. That's what I think. I think I need to read it again. Well, you have fun at with that. At some point in my life. At some <laughs> point in my life. Like, what I, but what I want to do, Ethan, since you've read the original copy, right? Yes? Right. I'd like to read the original copy just to see what the differences are. But, but I, you know, I don't, I don't mean, even mean this year. Because apparently I, I shook your hand and said, I'm going to read only Stephen King this year. Um, and so far, nobody would have known that unless you just brought it up, but nobody had to hold you to that. (laughs) Well, I did. I literally shook on it and I'm going to try to stick to it. And, and so far I've stuck to it. (laughs) It has only been three days. Um, but yeah, so I, all I know is that book was one of the most amazing things I've ever read. Um, I really loved it just from start to finish. It's, it was an absolute adventure to read that book. Um, and I think I would, at some point in my life, I've got to read it at least one more time. It's just so fucking amazing. Um, yeah. Well, then, I'm glad. I'm really sad that Nick died. Yes, I know. I'm sad that Larry died, too. But uh, I'm glad that you enjoyed it. And since that was the last book we read our year, and before it gets too much later in the evening, why don't we talk about at least two of our favorites that we read? Yes. Besides we just needed to stand. close out that thing. Besides well, hang on. Before we, before we talk about those, what are you reading right now? So I am reading two things. Um, I'm getting okay. back to my... Because now I don't really have a time constraint. So I'm going to go back to reading a nonfiction and a fiction simultaneously. Um, so I'm reading... This is Your Mind on Plants. And I have a, a minor correction from our last conversation. I had said that the third plant is psilocybin, and you yelled at me that uh, it is psilocybin is from a fungus, not a plant. And I was misquoting the book, because the third plant is mescaline. Which comes which from, from a plant. A cat. It comes from a plant. So there you go. Yeah. He he is correct. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Very good. <laughs> um, and then the, la- <laughs> the other book that I'm reading is... Um, God damn it. What's the name of that one? It's the last book in the Expanse series. So, yes. Give me one second. I can actually look it up. But, um, so I'm going to read that one. That's like 500 pages. Uh, The plant book is only like 200 and something pages, but it's a lot of fun just reading about, you know. Somebody else's perspective on some of these things. Leviathan Falls, that's what it's called. The last in the expense. So I'm going to read that one. Read the plant one. And then I think I might try and do the third one in the... In uh, in, uh, Inheritance? Yeah. 
Me and Heritage Trilogy, that's right. Since I started with that first, last year. First ones you read. <laughs> I might finish that this, this year, yeah. Very good. Um, very, I'm, I'm happy to hear that. You're going to finish it. Uh, so I am already sticking to my Stephen King, the year, the year of year, 2022, the year of the King. So I've started reading Nightmares and Dreamscapes, which is a story collection that he wrote or released in 1993. Um, I'm about 100 and something pages into it, 120 or so pages. Uh, so far, I've read a, a couple of the stories. Um, the, the two that are my favorite, uh, which are just two of the ones that I've read so far out of the four, are Dolan's Cadillac, which is about a man whose wife is murdered by a rich, like, socialite guy who he then, because she spoke out against him, like, in a court case or something, and he, the entire thing is his plot to kill this man by uh, digging a hole in a road and burying his Cadillac in it and then, you know, burying him in dirt alive in this Cadillac. Um, and it's really fucking dark. Like, you know, he succeeds in the end, but it's it's really dark and amazingly well-written, and I very much recommend that you read it if you haven't, uh, Ethan and other people that are listening. And then the other one that's good is Suffer the Little Children, which is a teacher about a teacher that, I don't know if she's hallucinating it or she's really seeing something, but these children in her classroom end up being like these shape-shifting aliens, and she ends up... Uh, well, I'll let you figure out what she ends up doing to the children, but uh, it's pretty dark. She obviously um, takes them to her leader, the president of the United States, George W. Bush. Where did and, that come from, Ethan? I mean, I'm just bringing it back to what we were talking about before. So that's, that's oh, OK. That just from. being just being funny, just being weird. All right. Yeah. Well, fair enough. But yeah, this is a story collection. It's from the early 90s, but it's uh, I guess this is like a copy from 2009 because it has an advertisement for uh, just after sunset, which is a. Uh, a story collection that he wrote in like 2009, which I also bought. And I mentioned last time that I bought because I really wanted to buy that. Um, but yeah, I'm going to do my best to read only Stephen King this year. There's, I'm, I'm not going to be lacking material, I'm sure. No, you are not. You know, it's funny. I actually saw on the Stephen King subreddit that somebody had a scratch off for like, not all of, but like a lot of Stephen King's books. Mm -hmm. And they gave it to their wife so that every time she read Stephen King, she could, or she would, I think the way it worked is she scratched one off and that would be her next Stephen King that she read. Um, Interesting. So it was like a for, forcing you to go through with it. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's no forcing you to go through. I know what you, you know what I mean. You know what I mean. Made a pact with, um, I don't know. Made a pact with the piece of paper. Yeah, exactly. And so in, in lieu of my, not in lieu, um, in, What's the word I'm like? Whatever. Uh, I'm trying to read Stephen King this year, and so I borrowed a bunch of books from you because you have quite an extensive collection of some of his things. Um, it's certainly not... I would say you maybe have like... A, would would a fourth of what he's written be an accurate fraction? No, not even close. You don't even think so? He's. I mean, he's no. made like... He's written like 80 novels, hasn't he? Mm, maybe more. Uh, Probably in the 90s, Novels... Well, yeah, because there's the novels, and then there's also like the short story collections that he has. He has a couple of and those. the novella collections, and the novella like collections, different seasons. like different seasons, yeah. Which, um, yeah, he has a lot of material. So I don't know that I have a fourth per se. I have maybe close to twenty of them. So only if you we'll really call it a fifth. maybe maybe a fifth, maybe a fifth. But, but. I mean, not anywhere near. I, I have one. I have two of the Dark Tower series, and there's like eight of those or something like that. I think there's seven. Yeah, something like that. He has a lot. He has a lot. Plus, there's the Richard Bachman, which if you want to count, that technically is part of Stephen I King's do. collection. So there you go. That's him. 
He wrote it. Although so. I do, I do think I have most of Bachman's stuff. I, I think I'm missing like one or two. I don't think you have thinner. Uh, I. Do I not have thinner? I gave uh, my brother's girlfriend thinner for, for, uh, for Christmas. So I'm gonna be borrowing that from her. Very nice. I don't know if I have thinner. I have, I have. The four, and then I have one of his other ones that he put out as as Bachman, which is uh, the regulators, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, I'm trying to. I borrowed a bunch of books from you. I I think I borrowed the Green Mile. I borrowed Different Seasons. I borrowed uh, two others. I can't remember what they are, but I'm not going to read them yet because I got to read Nightmares and Dreamscapes. So now that we've talked about what we're reading, let's talk about what we've read. So. I'm going to have to pull up the Instagram <laughs> so I can remember everything that I've read. Well, I'm just um, going to do my top two because sure, otherwise yeah. we'll be here all night. My top two is I just did a fiction and a nonfiction. I think that's sure. the easiest way for me to yep. break it down. Uh, I don't think it's any surprise that my favorite nonfiction was Killers of the Flower Moon. That one I read in literally two days. That's how good. I remember you talking about that, man. You were effusive with praise about that. That one was spectacular, especially because it was one that I had just meant to read for so long. Never. You know, it's funny. It's actually my wife suggested the nonfiction. My wife. And Sorry, my wife suggested <laughs> both of my top favorites for the year. Really? Yeah. She, she... Oh, so wait, 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 wait. Can I predict the other one then? Is your other one the uh, time traveler's wife? That's right. Yeah. Very good. That's my favorite fiction. Really? That's your favorite? Out of what I've read this year, yes. That is that was Very definitely cool. my favorite fiction one. Um, By Audrey Niffenegger. Yes. And I actually learned, too, that the HBO is going to make a miniseries out of it. Cool. So right I'm pretty, I should read that so we, and then we'll watch it. Or, I mean, a, you know, whatever. In the order yeah. that we do it, but whatever. It was, uh, it was a surprise one because I think it was one of those things that if you've never read it or seen the movie, you kind of just assume that you know it. You know, mm -hmm. like, enough about the story. It's like The Notebook. Like, you don't need to watch. Like, I feel like, <laughs> I just feel like The Notebook is a story that people, they know it. And even if you've never seen it, you understand, like, what the story is. And so, maybe yeah. that doesn't really seem like something. If you have that assumption, though, you're like, ah, it's like it's kind of a sappy love story. And I don't really feel like I'm going to. Enjoy that so you never actually watch it. And it. Yeah. I think I had a similar assumption about the time traveler's wife until it popped up on a thread on Reddit where people were like, What's a book that you loved and would recommend to everybody, anybody? And that one came up and then I, you know, said that to my wife and she was like, Oh yeah, I actually read that and it was a really good book. And so I was like, Fuck it, I'll give it a shot. And it was a really good book. Especially just the element I love the uncontrolled time traveling element like that's a terror mm -hmm. like everybody always thinks like how cool it'd be to be able to travel through time at will but like yeah. what if you couldn't at all control it then you just did it and you just did it randomly that's funny yeah no that's an amazing idea i uh i wish i thought of that <laughs> uh damn yeah i mean that, right? yeah. Very, very cool. That's a very good idea. I wish yes, I really wish I thought of that. <laughs> yes. and, so, uh, so those are your favorites. So you, I'm sorry. So the time traveler's wife and what's the other one? I'm sorry. I'm a little, killer, I'm already a little. Crazy. 
Uh, Killers of the Flower Moon. So if anybody Killers like, so I read two nonfiction this year, and you know that were just full of information where you're just like, holy shit, how did I not know about this? And I always find that those are the best nonfiction. One of them being, I'm gonna get. I'm, let me take a guess. The other one is How to Hide an Empire. Correct. Yeah. So that oh one. Oh my just, god, I'm amazing. <laughs> yeah, you're amazing. You're absolutely amazing. I mean, I. Oh boy. Thank you for your praise. I appreciate it. Uh, well, anyway, if someone really wants, like, you know, I enjoy true crime and every once in a while a true crime will pop up where you're just, cause like, you know, I read Ford Faction, that's about the JonBenet mm -hmm. and for the most part, there wasn't really anything new in there that I didn't already know. I think he just put it together in a certain perspective, especially that it came from somebody who used to be like the lead detective on the case. So you kind of, it kind of gives it like, you know, uh, authoritative weight to it. And you're just like, okay, I can take this information seriously in a way that I'm, I might not have, if I had just watched a documentary about it, but killers yeah, of the flower boot sure. is just like one of those things where you're just like, that is mind bogglingly messed up. The fact that nobody ever talks about it is crazy. I definitely want to read it. I mean, it's, I think you should. It's a very gripping true tribe. It, it, it's just like, and there's so many questions left at the end that we'll just never know the answer to because all the people that are, that were involved are dead. There's no way to get those yeah. answers anymore. Indeed. Um, so before we go on, I want you to tell me what are, what were your least favorites? Least favorite? Um, like, what did you like hmm. just think was, terrible like loathsome i don't know if i thought anything was terrible per se there were definitely some that were a little more sluggish to get through um hyperion was a really good story idea that was just a little sluggish to read mm -hmm. that would be like my only complaint about it that was like that book was fine i thought that and it may be just that I'm a little spoiled with more modern science fiction. So, like, older science fiction is really rich, but can be a little dense in a way mm. that modern science fiction isn't. Um, so I wouldn't even say that it's any, that's anything bad. The only other one that I would say maybe was a little bit of a slog to get through, to use your word. Um <laughs> was hmm. what's the, can what's i take one? a guess before the socialist manifesto i didn't read that this year you read that this year you have it on yes you did it's your first did post I? on the boozy book club podcast it's the first nine books that you posted <laughs> then then no it was that one wasn't a slog then i that one i read pretty quick because I, I enjoyed the history of it really I, I took me forever to get through that book uh okay what about the dead zone the dead no, I enjoyed the dead zone. I like I said, I thought that maybe he cut out like the hundred pages of him being in a coma. I didn't really think that was necessary a hundred percent. Oh, okay. <laughs> just you saying that. It's like, oh my god, why is that in there? <laughs> I mean, it wasn't like that. I just think that, you know, if you had taken that part of the book out, you still would have had the same story at the end. Fair enough. Like that's that's all okay. I'm saying. Oh, right. the what the what is um for whom the bell tolls. By Ernest really? Hemingway. Yeah, that, that one. was your worst. That was your least favorite? No, that wasn't my least favorite. Again, I, I don't really have like they. I enjoyed well, something all has of to them. Be your least favorite, Ethan. I had, well, I think Hyperion was probably my least favorite. 
I mean, okay, I, I thought it was a really good concept. It just didn't grip me in the way that I was expecting it to when I went into it. I, like I said, the lore is awesome. I love some of the aspects of it and some of the stories. I just thought it didn't, it didn't grip me. Like, like there's more stories in the series and I'm not like dying to read them. That's all. Fair enough. That's what it comes down to. I didn't, it's not, I don't have uh, Aldous Huxley's Island like you do. Yeah. Well, well, hang on. We're going to get to that. <laughs> all right. So you've, you think you've established what your favorites and what your least favorites are? Yeah. Okay. okay. Well, my favorites, I, I think I have to list three. I, I have to, like, you know, I, I almost feel like I can't, I can't leave out one of these. Okay. So, um, as much as I loved, like, you know, I, I loved the Dahmer book, and I, and I, I loved um, his father's perspective on all of that, it's not the most well-written thing. Um, and I do love it. I'm really happy that I have a copy of it. It's an amazing piece of literature in its own right, but it's not one of my favorites as much as, as much as I talked about how amazing it was at the time. Um, but one of my favorites for sure is enemy at the gates by William Craig. Mm. That yeah. is, you did enjoy that one a lot. Beautifully written things I've ever seen. And beautiful is like a, is like a, 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 it's almost a harsh word in this context because there's so much suffering and so much pain and so much anguish and angst involved in this book because he's a, a a journalist in like the 70s that has come back to interview the people that are still alive from the Battle of Stalingrad and asks them about their experience of starving and freezing to death in this Russian city, you know, Russians versus Germans. And it's it's just one of the most fantastically detailed and exceptionally written things I've ever read in my life. And it brings me to tears just to think about it. Like, I mean, I'm not currently crying but i almost feel like i could like it's just so so emotionally involved and so um so like um i I almost can't even think of the word it's you literally can't think of the word i literally cannot think of the word it's just you have to read it you and whoever's listening whoever's listening i'm speaking to you 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 have to read this book because it's it's just it's beyond words. It's it other than the words that are in the book, of course, (laughs) those are, those are great. Um, but it's, it's just, it's, it's stunningly horrible in its beauty. Like it's because it humanizes everyone involved. It's like all the people that were, that were thrust into this situation are, are just young men, relatively young men that want only to, to see their family again and and see their children again and 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 make their way in the world and they just suffer they just suffer unimaginable tribulations and trials and it's 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 an exceptional piece of journalism and i i i i just feel so sorry for the people that had to deal with that um but it it impacted me in a way that i never really expected it would um, and it's, it's truly amazing. Um, and I don't know if you've read it, Ethan, but you really should. It's, it's just astounding. I'll have um, to put it on my list. Cause I know you read Johnny got his gun and that's a piece of fiction. That's my favorite book. Um, and that's a piece of fiction about the, the toils and the, the trials and tribulations of war. Um, but this is a piece of nonfiction and it's just as terrifying in that way. Um, and it's one of the best pieces of literature I've ever read. And I, 
I can't recommend it enough, to be honest. Um, and now another favorite of mine is, of course, the unavoidable In Cold Blood by Truman Capote. Mm. Now that was an amazing piece of literature. <laughs> do you just do you just um, like death, Sam? Because that's what it sounds like I, here. It, I, 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 I pray to Thanatos every day. My god is the god of death, of course. Um, no, but for real, though, it's just truly exceptional literature. Uh, Truman Capote does an amazing job um, of humanizing these terrible criminals. Not that I condone their actions, of course. I mean, they, they blew away like a family of four for no reason other than what, it, what, is, what, is, what does he say? He says, for what, 50 bucks, right? Or, like, yeah, or something, something like, like that. that something terribly small it's like yeah we killed four people for 50 bucks and it's like truly horrific horrific crimes against people that really happened in the late 50s and it's like insane but what truman capote did was he did the the correct thing that an author should do he went and interviewed the people he humanized them because because they're not monsters there's no such thing as monsters they're just people that found themselves you know, through the context of their lives in a shitty situation at some point where they made a terrible mistake and did a terrible thing. And there's no condoning that. They, I mean, I'm not in favor of capital punishment, but I can't deny that they deserved what they got. You know? Oh, it's a weird um, oxymoron there. It's, no, no, no. Because I don't think it's an oxymoron. Because I can still, I can say in my mind... There's a difference between deserving what you get and saying that you should actually be um, given that thing. Um, because my principle is that people shouldn't be killed. But I understand the visceral, the visceral reaction of people wanting to say, this person deserves to die for what they've done. I think that people shouldn't be killed, but that certain people still deserve it, if you know what I mean. I don't no, think it's just oxymoron. it sounds illogical. But anyway, let's not get hung up on the the uh, the rational. But but, but that, goddamn, that, that, does, that, Truman, that, does Truman Capote write that book well? Like it's yeah, he does. stunning literature. Like it really does the whole the whole tie between like the the they're they're trying to get away with their crime and the police going after them and interviewing all of the people that do it. It's just it's it's so stunningly written. It's it's amazing. The true crime, brilliant. Yeah, I mean, um, I would have never been able to read a book like Killers of the Flower Moon if Truman Capote hadn't written In Cold Blood. For sure, and that's it like just, the first genuine true crime book. Yeah, it was... Is In Cold Blood. Yeah, it's it's crazy. Brilliant. It was brilliant. It was, just amazing. That was another one of those books that, I, had, I you know, you, you hear about and you're like, I gotta read that one day, and then you read it and you're like, wow, I should have read this a long time ago. A long time ago, for sure. Um, and then the third one that I have to mention, uh, it's kind of funny since we've talked about the stand and my, uh, my reading, wanting to read, uh, Stephen King for this whole year, which, you know, tentative, but I'm still going to try. Um, it's for sure The Shining. Okay. The Shining was, like in hindsight, it's one of the craziest things I've ever read. Because I read it as like a side book, like, you know, how we were trying to do like one book a week kind of thing. Right, um, right. And I just read it in between, like I read it during reading Catcher in the Rye and all that shit. Um, and I, it was just engrossing. I couldn't put it down. Like, I mean, I obviously did because it took me a few weeks to read. But I, 
it took, actually took me quite a while to read, and that shouldn't be as like you know a signal of how I thought about it. It just, it was just amazing, like insane. Like the story is fucking bonkers. Like all of the ins and outs and the details that Stephen King puts into this character of Jack Torrance and his drunkenness. The whole the whole sequence when he goes into the ballroom at the end or the dan- the the dance hall at the end when he's talking to um, what's his name Grady. Right. Um, What's his first name? Do you remember? Uh, I don't remember. Something Grady, right? And he's talking to him, but it's like, it's obviously just a figment of the past of the hotel. And the hotel is this evil character that's controlling these, these other people that live in it. It's just the most like crazy idea ever. And I, I, that was just brilliant. It was just brilliant. I loved it from start to finish. I, it, it, it didn't, you know, I, I find that like books are difficult to, or, or, or I, I find that books are not as easily terrifying as movies just because there's no visual aspect. And, you know, I used to think that like when my mother would talk about books that scared her as a kid, it's like, how can books scare you? Right? Like the timing is off obviously, because if you read it slowly, you're not going to be, you know, um, uh, immersed in the detail enough to be able to say like, oh, wow, this is terrifying. But it's like the the descriptions, the, the just the amazing detail that Stephen can bring out in like the character. I mean, the hotel is a character unto itself. Um, it can bring out of those things, just make it so phenomenal. And I just adored that book. And I, I'm, I loved it. And so those are my top three. I loved Enemy at the Gates. I loved In Cold Blood, and I loved The Shining. Those are my top three. Um, Very nice. I would say if I had to get... So I, first, I would say that The Shining, I, I read that around the same time that I read It and The Stand for the first time, which was during yeah. a kick of reading Stephen King in college. And I think I read The Shining during my winter break, my sophomore mm. year. Yeah, you told me about this. So I read that pretty quick, and that was a really good one. It's also one of the few like books that they made a movie out of that's not completely different but different enough that you kind of would consider like one of them is Stephen King's The Shining and one of them is Stanley Kubrick's The Shining. Yeah. And they're both <laughs> they're both brilliant for their own. Do you really think so? I mean, yeah. I would Have say so. Have you seen so. Stephen King's? Was that? Have you seen the Stephen King version? No, I don't mean like that. I mean that the the story Oh, the book versus the, the movie. The book, the book versus the movie is different. Like it's okay. not like I am. Oh, they're legend. both amazing. They they both are. That's what I'm saying. It's like even though they're differ, they're both like enjoyable. Is my point. Yeah. It's like it's one of the few where the movie is a really good movie that I enjoy, and the book was like different. Well, the movie was different from the book, but the the book when I read it after having seen the movie, I was like, damn, this is this is some wild shit. It's wild, dude. It is and, a wild, you know, wild story. I've seen like I've only seen the clip of the woman in the bathtub that Danny meets in in um Stephen King's version, and it's fucking terrible. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely he. Like the more the more pure adaptations just have like like they're a little more corny. I mean, even the it's adaptation, so corny. Oh my god, it's so even corny. even the adaptation it's really of unwatchable it and the stand. Like they all have. You know, senses of corniness, which I think is something that sometimes can really work for Stephen King. Because I don't know if you know what Creep Show is. I've seen Creep Show. Uh, so Creep. I've seen parts of Creep Show. I should say. Have you? Yeah. So Creep Show is very corny, but like 
Stephen King was... But it's kind of meant to be that. But, right, it's meant to be like that. And I think that that's, like, in, to a certain extent, like, that's the era of horror that Stephen King grew up with. Is like creepy kind of campy stuff. Yeah, like kind of campy. So like maybe in his mind, campiness works for his stories, and we're just a generation that grew up watching some like non-campy stuff. Yeah, for sure. Much so, more, much more like um, true to form, like computer-generated yeah. stuff. That's yeah. like very realistic. <laughs> but anyways, if I had to guess what your least favorite was, I would probably say either Catcher in the Rye or you're absolutely right, Island. And? And Island. Yes, yeah. absolutely. Catch on the right hand Island, for sure. And what's funny um, is uh, Island yeah, was a book that I stopped reading about halfway through uh, years ago when I picked it up. And uh-huh. Catcher in the Rye is one that I've never actually picked up to read. But I've heard from, you know, one person, like, loves it, and then the next person is just like, that book yeah. should be burned. A friend of oh, I never. I don't think any book should be burned, uh, other than well. I mean, I mean, I guess that's like a statement of like your 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 freedom of speech. But I mean, in a in the sense of like you know censoriousness, there shouldn't be any books burned. But yes, a good friend of ours really loves that book for some yes. fucking reason. Well, everybody's gonna like different stuff. I mean, I, I feel like I most, a lot of the stuff that I read, people would probably find boring if it's history or philosophy. I saw a funny meme. And they said if you're ever reading a philosophy book and you don't understand a passage, you should underline it so that the next person that reads that book will think that you understood it and not <laughs> understand it. And the anxiety will be passed on to them. And I loved it. I love that. That's awesome. Very good. But anyway, I mean, we all have our taste, you know. Um, that's really all it comes down to, but I know that yeah. the I know Island was one that we could both agree was. Oh my was god, it's so rough. miserably boring. Yeah, and and yeah. and and Brave New World is so good. I know it's so good. And what the fuck was he doing? How was that his last book? How is Island Aldous Huxley's Aldous fucking Huxley's last book? I mean, not everybody goes out, you know. With a grand it's player. so bad. It's so bad. Like, I agree with all the sentiments. Every single, like, this is how bad it is. Like, I agree with everything that is portrayed in the book as, like, a societal thing to, to, to like, strive for. And it sucks. <laughs> hey, I mean, to a certain extent, I kind of feel the same way about For Whom the Bell Tolls. I mean, I really enjoy the themes and the concept of the story, it just was a little rough to get through. But that's also, they were written around the same time period uh-huh. to a certain extent. In the 60s. And that's, I think Room the Bell Tolls was even earlier, but like oh, that. Probably 40s the, or 50s, you think? Yeah, like the earlier the earlier mm-hmm. styles just are different. They're different from what we're used to. I don't to. know, man. It was just so drab. It was just so drab. It was all conversational. There was no action at all. There wasn't any like. There wasn't a conflict until the very end. Like, it was like, ugh, it was just boring. Also, some of my other least favorites being the fucking Bible. That was a year-long ordeal. I read that from cover to cover, and, the, you know, but... but Again, I, but I, I really listen. don't think that was meant to be read that way. I was like, yeah, I think I think, it was, <laughs> I think it was meant to be read however the fuck anybody wants to read it, because it's just a book, 
And but I will say, I will say, I did not list it. You picked out my two least favorites exactly. It was Island and The Catcher in the Rye. That's exactly right. Those are my least favorites because there was some redeeming aspects of the Bible. I'm not going to lie about it. You know, I'm a I'm an absolute godless heathen. When I die, I'm dead. That's what I think. And this book had some good aspects to it. I thought the Gospels were quite nice. You know, it was kind of funny reading the same story four times, but slightly different. Um, and I just sort of imagined that Jesus said all of his four completely different last words all at the same time in some cacophony of noise. <laughs> Ridiculous. Um, but there was that. I liked the Gospels. I liked the Song of Solomon because it described the female form in a very admirable, and or I'm sorry, a very... Um, in a way of admiration, like describing the beauty of the female form. I thought that was nice. And of course, Revelation was fucking metal as hell. And I love that. Like just absolute, like crazy, like, and I saw the demons and the four, the four fucking beasts rise. And the number of the beast is six and three score and two, or sorry, six and three score and six. And, you know, they pour the four cups of the, the Lord upon the world and blah, just random shit. It was just nuts. Absolutely bonkers. St. John the Divine was obviously tripping balls. Um, but yeah, the Song of Solomon, the Four Gospels, and Revelation were pretty fucking cool. The rest of it is gobbledygook from start to finish. Um, but I still read it. But it's because I liked some aspects of it, it's not my least favorite. For sure, Island and Catcher in the Rye. Boring as shit. That's my opinion. Oh, that wraps up our year. That year I reading. think that wraps up our year pretty fucking good, Ethan. Yeah. Um, well, to anybody, who's... and my idea is, yep, go on. No, I was gonna. I was just gonna say to anybody listening, we're gonna be changing up the form a little bit. Oh we're, yes, we we're are. We're not gonna we? be reading I'm... one book a week anymore. <laughs> no, we're um, gonna read whatever the fuck we want. Who the fuck has time for that? Well, you're gonna be reading Stephen King. So I'm gonna be only reading Stephen King. That's the Stephen... idea. Yes. But we both agreed. At least I, I, I'm gonna hold to not buying any books this year. I have enough books. That's exactly right. That can I'm not buying any more books. Easily get me through the year. I got five of them just for Christmas, which was fantastic. Yes. So yes. I could finish. I got only one book for Christmas, but that's okay. That's all right. I mean, I asked specifically for some books because I was I knew that I wasn't gonna buy them. Once yes. the year started, so I was like, "Let me just pawn those off onto other people to get from." I really had a hard time asking for certain stuff, so I, books were books are an easy one because I have a constant list of them. But anyway, right. we'll be changing it up, um, which will be yes, a fun change of pace, uh, a lot less pressure to to finish stuff in a timely manner. Indeed, it was uh, what a good what a good idea though a fifty two book challenge really I know. good stuff that was such a fun time Ethan I'm so happy we did that I'm really I'm I'm genuinely sad it's over like I remember sitting in January and February and March and like reading through stuff and just being like oh this is gonna be a great time and now it's behind me and I'm really sad about that because it's been oh. such an amazing thing someday we can we can do it again one year we should do it we have to do it again. Like I'm, you know, that old uh, Dr. Seuss quote, it's like, don't be sad that it's over. Just be happy that it's happened. That's and right. I, I really am. So, I'm truly, it's been fucking amazing, Ethan. I've had such a great time doing this and, and talking about all of these things that we've read together. It's been absolutely amazing. Um, but what are we doing from now on, right? We're going to do like one, what record one thing a month and like split it up into two episodes every two weeks. And we're just going to get fucking plastered each time. Yeah, I think that's the idea. So it'll <laughs> it'll be a little while until we post the new one, um, but I'm hoping that the new 
the new format will be something different, something fun that we can do. And um, once we, we'll we'll have to just we'll just interact a little bit more online, maybe just to get people to actually um, follow and shit. Cause... Well, yeah, I mean follow, <laughs> but also you know we'll keep them updated on what we're reading so that they can maybe read along with us or yeah. like you know if they've read it before they can listen to our you know um, slurring synopses <laughs> uh, when they come out. Yeah, a, very good. Yeah, we're gonna really live up to the boozy book club. We're gonna get fucking smashed. We're gonna try. We're gonna try. We're gonna try our best. Um, all right. Well, my friend, what an amazing experience this has been. I agree. Even though not many people have listened, it's okay. It's okay. We're, I've had a great time. There. We've read some amazing books. We've read some terrible books. But other words, otherwise, I've had such a fun experience uh, trying and su- thankfully succeeding at this challenge. Um, and I hope you have had a lot of fun too. This has been a great moment for my life, and I thank you for challenging me for this, challenging Hi. me to this. You're very welcome. Anything to make people read more. Indeed, absolutely. Well, to those who have listened, thank you for listening to our rambling and me slightly slurring because I've had some very strong beers tonight. <laughs> um, all right, peace out, y'all, and I hope you listen to us as we get drunker and drunker. See you next time. Goodbye. Oh.